Camp, 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 Radio. Radio. Camp, Radio. Camp Radio. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. We uh, end our series on uh, the focus on a healthy small church today, and we have with us John Parrott uh, with his uh, years of experience as a pastor, a director of missions, as well as work for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board for uh, supporting uh, bivocational pastors across the state of Tennessee. John, thank you for uh, uh, being through this struggling through this uh, series and uh, I know this is a is a, a hard topic to talk about as far as just uh, just giving advice with bivocational guys who are just so caught up in all the things they have to do in life and the good topics that you'll be able to share from, with this wisdom hopefully they'll stop for a few minutes and to listen and gain some wisdom what you have but today I want us to kind of focus on really the call of ministry thank you Kevin Yes, um, I'd like to begin this this phase of our sharing together by sharing some scripture, Kevin, that is in the book of Psalms. It is uh, Psalm 78, verses 70 and following, which some of my favorite verses, I've often used them even in ordinational times with, with pastors, but the Bible says this, He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, and he brought him from tending ewes to be the shepherd over his people Jacob. So he took him one job, Gave him another job. And he says, over his people, Jacob, and it's over Israel, Mm -hmm. his inheritance, his people. That's something we got to know, too, that the church, even this is his people, ultimately. He shepherded them, and he did it with a pure heart, and he guided them with his skillful hands. That's a good word. And I want to talk about that some and talking about the call and and keeping the call strong in your life and focusing on it. And and the first thing I'd like to say is there are times... You need to reflect back on your call. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why. Because in my years uh, as a pastor, in my years of ministry, there will be times that's all you have. Uh, there are no words of encouragement. There are no pats on the back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you will feel very alone. But I reflect. He called me. Mm-hmm. This is my motivation. You know what I'm doing. Share this this verse too out of Jeremiah Jeremiah said, I will not make mention of him. You know, Jeremiah got to the point, he said, I'm so frustrated. I'm so tired. I don't know about this call. I don't know that I want to do this anymore. And he says, you know, I'm not going to make mention of him. I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. But then the Bible says, Jeremiah, but his word was in my heart. It was like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back. I couldn't hold it back. Sometimes you got to go back to that call that makes you know that. You know, I'm not getting encouragement anywhere else. No one's listening or whatever. But hey, you call me. You didn't qualify all the terms surrounding it. You call me to be faithful. And sometimes what I need to do is reflect back to that call. When did that happen in my life? You see, I personally believe that it's call. It's not a career. Right. And I really believe if you're called somewhere, you can point to that. You know when it took place. A transaction took place. Mm -hmm. And there was a call. So you go back there. Secondly, is that when you're dealing in the church, you've got to go where you're sent. Churches are not stepping stones, hmm. meaning that, well, I'm going to go here. I'll help these people out a lot, but really my plan is to get over here. Then my plan is to get here. 
I think any pastor needs to go where God has sent him, and he needs to go as though it's an anticipated lifetime. I mean, you know, if it's a small rural church, he put me here. I'm coming here to give you my life. Right. With the call of God on it. Not, well, I'll stay here to you, but I'm really wanting to get over here. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be careful about that. So you go where you're sent. God led me in to where I am. A person believe you got to know it's God who will lead me out. I have seen guys go into churches and, and come into tough times, knowing full well God sent them there. But the times were tough, so they move. And then I see God bless that church, not because they moved, because their timing was off. If they had stayed where God sent them, they would have would have received those blessings. But a little tough time, and they're ready to go. Go where you're sent. Where let God lead you out. Don't let any definition of struggle, or anything else, be the thing that drives you out. Right. Stay because God tells you to stay there. We all know the old adage about the green grass over there may very well be artificial turf when you get there. <laughs> I believe it was Irma Bombeck one time who wrote something about the grass is greener over the septic system. Oh, yeah. You've got to be careful. Well, I know. And I grew up on a small farm, and we were constantly fixing the fence. And, uh, you know, because the cows would put their uh, head over the barbed wire because the grass was greener on the, on other, the side, other side. But it's the same grass. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it just yeah. looks different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, guys will we'll talk about, I'm having problems where I am. Really? I said, do you not realize people are problems? Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't want any problems, what do you do? Quit fooling with people. Right. <laughs> God called you to deal with people. Yeah. And so there are going to be problems. But but you got to know that I've been sent where I am. This wasn't something, well, I couldn't find, I couldn't get this place over here, so mm-hmm. I'll go over here. Be careful about, uh, sometimes I believe that might happen, you know. Mm-hmm. This is not really where I wanted to be, but I got to mm-hmm. do something, so I'll go over here. Because if you're sent, you're going to be able to see these people as the Lord sees them, and you will love them as he loves them. Not, this is a stepping stone for me to get somewhere else. Right. So go where you're sent. We're reflecting back on your call. And then I learn that people are going to throw stones at you. They're going to throw rocks at you. But you got to know how to make that a stepping stone a real stepping stone in the ministry where you are. In other words, it's not as if stones are going to fall on you where you serve the Lord. It's not an if. Mm -hmm. It's when they do (laughs) because they're going to Mm -hmm. wherever that you are. But you have to learn from the difficult times. Uh, I'm one who personally believes this is when I I develop the most and grow in the Lord the most is in the difficult times. Now, zippity-doo-dah, everything's going my way. I don't know how much I'm developing during those times, but when those times are tough and challenging is when I'm growing. I'm learning more about who he is in my life. Be willing to accept the fact sometimes I have my difficult times because of mistakes I made. Awfully hard as a pastor to admit that I made mistakes, and we all make them. Uh, I think this is what happens sometimes with churches when there is a a need for resolution, conflict resolution, whatever. Pastors a lot of times don't seek that out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because they really hate to admit I messed up. I've got these problems. The stones are here because I created them. I made them want to throw the stones. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? And and therefore they don't seek out the help. But you got to know how to let stones become a way to step to a better day. You also got to learn stones are being thrown. You see, antagonism is in every church. There's, but there's healthy, I think what I would call healthy antagonism over against that that's unhealthy, you know, in a church. There are people that just don't like anything you do. And you got to understand that about them, you know, kind of where they're coming from. And, and you deal with that 
in, in, in kindness and, and reserve, and then sometimes in humility. You have to learn to do that. For example, if, if you're wanting to get something done in a church that you know is God is leading, it's key, but then you got this dear matriarch, patriarch mm-hmm. in this church, and they don't like what you're doing, and they don't want to see it happen, and you get angry and they get angry, then you got the stones being thrown. But if you would understand in God how he's working in your life and your ministry, and he sent me here, and we know this is, can happen, go to that person, you know, that you feel like's an antagonist or they stood up against you and say to them, you know, uh, I really believe God's leading us to do this. But I also know this, I cannot get this accomplished without your help. And I'm asking for your help. Really hard for a pastor to go to a lay person and say, mm-hmm. I need your help. I don't know why, but just, I'm the leader. Yeah. Well, you're not the leader because you tell them you're the leader, but you know, I'm the leader. But go to them and say, I know you have influence and I really need you to help me make this happen. And here's why it needs to happen. And what I've seen happen when I would do that is suddenly they took ownership of it. And they think it was their idea. (laughs) This is good. You know, that's the key. You see, people have to have ownership. So that's taking some of those stones and difficult moments and turning them in a way that they step effectively. Difficult experiences are what strengthen you as a servant of the Lord and confirms the call because you stay with it. Another thing, and I learned this from a good friend of mine who worked at, with the uh, Home Mission Board, I guess it was at the time, not the North American Mission Board. His name was Dale Holloway. I don't know if you ever got to meet Dale. Mm-hmm. Well, Dale was on that SBC level at one time. Dale was the bivocational guy. And I was in different meetings with Dale. Dale was, spent nights in our home and all. He was a great friend. And I never will forget what Dale said in a meeting one time. And I quote him in this. Dale said, as pastors, you have to learn that being sensitive is more important than being sensible. And I've thought about that a lot. You know, pastors have a tendency to say, I'm right, I know I'm right. Well, you may be right, but his feelings are hurt or whatever. So how am I going to go about this? I need to be sensitive enough to care about how he feels, whether I think he's wrong or whatever. So at this point in time, it may be more important for me to be sensitive toward him to be sensible and declare my right in this, you know. And so I thought that was a good word and that in your call, you have to know how I'm dealing with people, that I'm going to be a person of sensitivity with the people around me. John Masonio wrote in one of his little books, and I quote him too, and I I love this and I've used it a lot. He said, you got to remember that, he said, I don't know of any congregation that despises Jesus. So I got to ask you a question, Pastor. Why are they despising you right now? Or you feel like they are. Why? Is it that they're not seeing Jesus? And so, you know, sometimes uh, we got to get all the way back to the cross, even as leaders. And part of helping that keep that call focused is go back to the cross where it all began for us. Allow God to reform your heart again in him. Go back to where it began with you. What did you find at the cross? Well, I found sensitivity. I found forgiveness. I found an attitude of restoration. I found salvation. I found direction. Go back to the cross where you found it and realize this is owed to all who cross your path because Christ lives in you. He's loving you. And that's why I love that old song, the old rugged cross, you know, that I'll I'll cherish that old rugged cross. So helping keep focused is sometimes going back to the cross. Remember where it all began for you because you got, before you got your title, before you got your name among men, what happened? And remember, that is that same love and forgiveness and grace and mercy that's poured out upon a congregation. You cannot drive Baptists, but you might lead them eventually. And so that's important. And then the, uh, don't ever quit learning. You never get too old to learn something. And, and some guys really feel like they've come to know it all. 
Therefore, they don't need anybody else's guidance on anything. Mm -hmm. Part of keeping your call strong is getting around people that may know something you don't know and learning how to, how to strengthen and help you. Uh, because when you stop learning, you stop growing. And if you stop growing, you die. And so another way to stay focused in your call is to continue to learn. One of my favorite things to do is to read. I'm an avid reader of anything. I'm not just talking about biblical books, but other reads. Right. Reading expands you. So in, in your focus in life, you know, read when you can't always be there. And I had a, a friend who's home with the Lord now, was a pastor, told me a long time ago, uh, one of the challenges these guys face in bivocationalism is they don't necessarily have all the theological training and things that a lot of guys have had an advantage to doing. Some of them don't. Right. But does that mean they can't get the job done? No. Does that mean they're failures? No. But what they must learn to do is to read, is how right. to gather. And I had this friend tell me one time, I'm not so sure that if God has a genuine call on your life, if you know how to gather the right information around you and the right people around you, and you make application, mm -hmm. and you're a reader and a student, and, and you're willing to develop. I'm not so sure you wouldn't gain as much as if you went three years to a seminary. Because we all know the seminary, they're not going to teach you how to pastor that Baptist right. church. Right. That's not something you learn there. Well, when I went to seminary, I, I, I learned that uh, there was a lot, I, I knew a lot less than, than I thought I did. Yeah. And I, and I, I felt very uh, kind of intimidated sure. to realize yeah. that I don't know much at I, all. Yeah. And, and so I, you learn a lot, but yeah. still there's so much. Well, I know, uh, I'm sure there are guys right now that have gone back to their libraries and trying to find that volume on COVID. It's just not there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, challenges come, but the, but the call and relationship and a journey with God is yeah. what's vital yes. for a new day because that's what we've come to. So, you know, you, you tell guys don't quit learning because there's always something to learn. And a lot of guys are having to learn right now. Right. A lot of things they never thought they'd have to learn. Right. Because it's a new day, and if they call it the new normal or whatever they want to call it, but you got to learn. Don't quit doing that or you'll die. And then yeah. the final thing is to, uh, we mentioned this early on, to help keep your call strong, uh, learn how to share your ministry. And we go back to the thing of making disciples, pour ministry into others. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a real key today. You see, if I had it to do over again, I'm kind of like my good friend Steve Holt, who once signed, one time made the statement said, I could write a book, and my book would be How Not to Do Things, because <laughs> I learned how not to do it. Yeah. But, but if I had it to do over again, if I was a pastor, I would find some guys in that church, a handful, or if it's two or three, or if it's 12, or what, I would pour my life and my ministry and my journey into them. That would take time. But in the long run, it would pay off because after all, Jesus pours himself into his 12 guys. Mm -hmm. One of them's a devil, but he pours himself into 12 guys for three years. They turn their world upside down for him. That takes time. And, and the problem is in an instant culture in the church mm -hmm. with so much demand, we got to see results. We feel that pressure, I know. But remember, it is God who called you there, sent you there. You know what he wants to do. Learn how to be sensitive. Have your sensibility about you, but be sensitive to these people. You know, that's why I tell guys, too, if you want to keep... You see, what tears your call down is negativity. I'm not successful. The things are not working like I thought they'd work. You know, I don't know whether I'm called or not. This right. is awful. But what you got to understand, to get to the good, sometimes there is the awful. And you got, that's okay, because you're dealing with people. 
And, and some guys have a hard hard time with that, you know. They mm-hmm. they just, if it's not succeeding by their definition of success, go back and make sure you're understanding what God's success, succeeding would be with these people, you know, and, and, and be what you need to be to them. And so, you know, you learn how to pour yourself into others by doing that. They see your successes. They see your failures. They see how you, you get knocked down, you get back up. You know, that that's what it's all about. Yeah, we've all heard the story of Bear Bryant. They tell on Bear Bryant whether it was true or not about him going to see this prospect for coming to Alabama to play. He'd heard all these accolades about this player. You won't believe the outstanding athlete he is. You won't believe the great lineman he's going to be at Alabama. You need to see him play, coach. So he goes to some of his assistant coaches and watches this guy play. And as he watches him, he's everything they said he was. Man, the guy across the line was at his mercy. He knocked him to the ground. He walked on him. He pushed him out of the way. It's amazing, you know, what everything that was accomplished. And and so they asked Coach after the game, said, well, Coach, what do you think? You want to recruit that guy? He said, well, you know, said he is a great player. He's everything they said he was. But he said, I want you to talk to the guy that played across from him. He said, you mean the guy that laid on the ground at the game? Mm-hmm. He walked on him, <laughs> knocked him around. That's the guy you want to talk to? Yeah. I don't understand, Coach. Why Why you want to talk to him? Because he kept getting up. The call means you keep getting up. You're going to have your tough times. You're, you're going to have those people that are difficult to deal with. But don't, don't, don't let that question your call and question the validity of where you are because it is God who calls you. So you, you learn how to maintain that relationship with him. So that's kind of what I give to guys, you know, because you're dealing with people and people are problems. But don't let that impact your call. Stay focused on the call. Man, Jeremiah... What he does, 40 years, I don't think he got a convert. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> 40 years, I mean, how long do I do this? Until I tell you to stop. And so you stay focused on that call. It's God that calls you. Do you think that uh, it's good for a pastor to get away and to, to reexamine that call sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Let me, let's just talk about that kind of. Let's talk about getting away. Okay. My wife were here right now. She said, he's a good one to be talking to you about this. But yeah. <laughs> It's very important for for them to get away, uh, to spend time, to rest, refresh. Very important. Mm -hmm. Let me just emphasize that. If there ever was a stressful time for pastors, and it's always been stressful, it's today. COVID has brought a new stress on guys. And and a lot of ways, you know, of course, the good that is coming out of it, I pray, is that we're seeing how we can bring glory to God in a difficult moment. Sure. You know, someone asked me the other day, you believe this is just the end times? This thing's coming to an yeah. end or is this where we bring glory to God? I yeah. said, well, let's bring glory to God. End times are in his hands. But I really believe it's a time for the church to be the church, you know, right. and a new day and to bring glory to God. But it's important because it's such a stressful time. We're coping with change. Uh, there'll always be stress. There's stress all the time. It's what we're doing with it. If you get burned out, you mismanaged. Right. There's no other way to say that. A guy that says, oh, I'm just burned out. Well, you've mismanaged what you're supposed to be doing. Lloyd Elder done this uh, Minch Center for church leadership training and all. And I, I quote something in some of his writing called about burnout in ministry. He says, here's what happens. Preachers, it's like running an engine at high speed without a cooling system. It's like drawing water from a dry or spoiled well when you're burning out. It's like losing the balancing bar while you're walking on the high wire. Or it's like keeping the mask on even when the play is over. Mm-hmm. Boy, is that not a good one. Yeah. When we talk about preachers, they so often can be that way, wearing the mask, but the game was over way before now. The play was over long before now, but I'm still wearing the mask. Right. I don't know how how to refresh myself. Well, first thing we do is we need to look at Jesus. 
the amazing thing about Jesus, I like to tell guys, you know, Jesus didn't have an iPhone. I mean, <laughs> he didn't carry a calendar around. Right. The amazing thing about Jesus was he was never in a hurry. I don't read anywhere that Jesus was ever in a hurry. You can't save time. You can't kill it. You got 24 hours. What are you going to do with it? Jesus knew how important it was, though, to come apart so you don't come apart. Uh, I was reading uh, yesterday, I guess, how Jesus knew how to delegate, but he also knew how to teach them to come apart. In in Matthew 8, there's several stories, you know, in the Gospels where Jesus is in a storm. Mm -hmm. Where's Jesus during these storms? He's asleep, sound asleep. How does he do this? You know, this is a storm. How are you asleep? Well, I'm sure he's tired. He has the fleshly side. He's tired, but he also knows the words of the Father. Going back, well, he only does what he sees the Father doing, and he knows the Father will keep things safe, even in the midst of a storm. It's not about me. It's about what he's able to do. So he teaches us, you know, it's okay to lay down and rest. It's okay to do that. In Mark 6, 31, you know, he told us, the guys came back telling him the things that God was doing, you know, and he said, okay, now what you guys need to do is come away for a while, to a remote place and rest. Now, I said all that to say this. If God gives you Sabbath, who do I else I need to get permission from? In other words, that's all the permission I need. God says do Sabbath. Take time. And and that can be vacation. You you obviously you and I both you gotta schedule these things. But it's okay to schedule them. Yeah. Don't feel guilty about doing that. You may have been in the meeting, you know, the gentleman that came and talked to us, one of our focus meetings about mm-hmm. Sabbath. The thing I remember most about him said, get you a box and take that thing. The thing that's ruining us more than anything else today with the matter of finding rest and, and being able to get away is that thing we hold in our hands, call an iPhone, <laughs> whatever. Our whole life is almost being controlled there. We need to find. You know, you said Sabbath is about taking that, find you a box, put that thing in that box if it's for a week or a day or what, and lock it up. Do not go there. You know, find a way that that we can we can get rest. Don't let that kind of thing define how we relate to our family or anything else we're doing. So you have to schedule the time. But it's important to do it. And I'll go back to what I said. If God gives you the permission to do it, then why are you worrying about, well, yeah, but they'll fire me. Well, maybe they need to fire me if they don't understand the value of refreshment in my life. Because I will never be as good as I'm refreshed. We all know what refreshment is. Yeah. We all know how we change the ticket. And man, I just feel so much better. You need to. Jesus knew that. Although he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he's going to go on down on the cross. But he knew his purpose and his plan. And he also knew the value of those times of just getting away from it all. And that's just what he was doing. And and even in the midst of a storm, he knew how important it was to rest right. because the Father's got this. You know, it all don't rest with me. And, and it's awfully hard for us to put it in the Father's hands and know that we need to rest. And uh, But we need to do that. And so, yeah, the, if ever there was a time that we needed the getaway, of course, some people think, well, we are, we are getting away. We can't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, so, but still, you know, you don't rest because you sit down somewhere. It, it's it's a refocusing. And I personally think it's good sometimes to meditate, mm-hmm. to just sit down and reflect and meditate if it's in the Lord and, and not think about all the problems and everything. But right. but I reflect on Him. And you ever notice when in your toughest times, Kevin, if you'll just reflect on the Lord a few minutes, it seems like everything eases off. Right. Because He knows, we know that He's got it whatever it is. So we find refreshment there. So it's just very important that we do that. And, and uh, pastors across our state can, we have two great conference centers that they can come and they can get away and spend some time alone and bring their families. 
and um, very inexpensive. You know what? I had that down, Kevin. That was supposed to be one of my pushes. I was going to say, and if you really want a great way to rest, you know, we got Carson Springs and we got Linden, and I don't know of a better place you could come to. That's and right. just really, and that's a that's a good point. I really meant to say that. And since you said that, let me say something else real quickly. Uh, we have a gentleman working now on our mission board, Randy Presnell. Mm-hmm. Randy be more than glad, you know, to work with any bivocational setting. You know, that's his role now, you know, right. in, in our Tennessee Baptist work. Mm-hmm. So Randy's accessible. And then on the national level, you got you got the um, the bivocational small church network with mm-hmm. Dr. Joe Wright. A lot of good resources there. And, and I brought a couple of resources with me just to help me to remember that my good friend Ray Gilder, few years ago he did a book called uniquely bivocational and i don't know and i've read other books on bivocationalism but i don't know i've ever read anything any better than what ray did and as i said early on ray brought a level to bivocationalism for tennesseans that we had not seen and i walked with him i guess he he was my mentor my guide for a number we did a lot of projects and things together and learned a lot from ray but this book called uniquely bivocational you could probably contact ray gilder he's pastor of First Baptist Church, Gordonsville. But you could also, through uh, Joe Wright, through that national scale work, you can probably find that resource. And he also did another little book that Ray said he never did think did very well. But I think it's a good book. It's a little book he called The Freedom of, Be- Freedom of Being Yourself and talks about how you need to learn to be you. I remember when I was a young preacher, preachers tried to decide, you know, who am I going to sound like? Don't sound like Billy Graham right. or, or uh, Adrian Rogers or who am yeah. I going to sound yeah. like? You know, you need to sound like you. Right. Need to be you, uniquely you. Yeah. So, bivocationalism, unique opportunity, unique people, doing some unique work in the kingdom today. Great, John. Uh, I really appreciate you spending some time with us yeah. and talk about these issues, especially today on the, just focusing on the call, especially those times when you're discouraged and you just need clarity. And this has just been really great to be able to discuss this. Uh, Also, I'd like to thank those who are listening today to our podcast. If you are listening to uh, iTunes or uh, Google Play with this, I I ask that you follow us or just leave a comment. Uh, That will help others to listen to this great resource as well. I would also love to just to be able to hear from you. If you have any questions for John or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.